Welcome to today's class. We're on chapter 29 of Tanya, and uh, we're recording under a little bit different uh, circumstances today because um, I need my laboratory. <laughs> There's some, uh, what do you call it in, uh, in school? Show, show and tell. We have some uh, demonstrations that uh, I had to do here in my uh, in my own environment in order to uh, properly pull it off so today's class is uh, is here and that's why you're not going to hear any interaction from the cl from the class also for those who may have noticed in all of the recordings of these tanya classes there are the delightful sounds of the little children in the nursery school classroom in the room behind the door that's in back of me at all these classes. So we don't have any of those sounds. Although you may hear the sounds of my children because I'm recording here at home. You also may hear the lovely sounds of the Long Island Railroad. Okay, so chapter 29. A little bit of uh, background as we always do. Um, chapter 26, we introduced the importance of emotional well-being that we need to be positive and we need to have psichas halev, that means an open heart. Open heart means that the good, positive energy is flowing in order to do our job and serve Hashem properly. Now, the opposite of that is timtum halev. Timtum halev literally means congestion of the heart or clogging of the heart. No, it's not like congestive heart failure. It's uh, not a physical congestion. It's a spiritual or um, spiritual congestion. It's an energy blockage. And what that is, in uh, practical terms, or I guess in terms of the symptoms of timtum halev, the congestion of the heart, the dullness of the heart, is there, there are two symptoms. One is that when he meditates, it doesn't create the love and awe of Hashem that it should. Okay, now if somebody's going to say, well, I don't have love and awe of Hashem, I would ask them, well, did you meditate? No, no, I didn't meditate. Well, then you don't have Tim Tumalev, or at least you don't know that you don't have Tim Tumalev. Um, because Tim Tumalev is, I did the work that I'm supposed to do, and it's, it's, it's I'm not gaining traction for whatever reason. I mean, we're going to explain the reason, but it's not working. Okay, that's the first symptom. Another symptom of Timtum Alev is that I'm having a hard time with the idea of Kaddish Atzmecha B'Mutalach. Sanctify yourself in permissible matters. That means I'm not sinning, okay? Because this is a problem that a Bainani could have. Somebody who's already arrived at the uh, level of Bainani. Uh, so he's not sinning, but he's having a hard time acting in a, in a more refined, more mindful way, even in permissible things. He just, the, the sensitivity is lacking. Sensitivity is not there. And the, the, the whole issue is a lack of sensitivity. So what's the solution? What's the solution here? The solution is presented by way of parable or allegory from the Holy Zohar. In the Holy Zohar, it discusses that the, um, the head of the academy in heaven the Rosh Masifta, in the Masifta Drakia, gives the following advice. He says, if you have 
a log that won't catch fire. You're trying to use a log as firewood and you're putting the flames to it, but it, it won't catch. What's the solution? Splinter it, smash it into splinters and then reintroduce the flame and you'll see that it'll be able to catch onto the log and spread. So too, a soul that's not catching a flame, it's not uh, being caught on fire with the passion of love for Hashem, splinter it, smash it, smash it up. Whoa, 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 smash it. Why are we smashing things? Well, here's the thing. Tim Tumalev, the dullness of the heart is very, very dangerous. Apathy is the most dangerous thing of all. You know the difference between ignorance and apathy? I don't know, and I don't care. Apathy is the most dangerous thing at all, of all. You know, in, in Chassidus it talks about, there's a Mishnah in Brochus that says that uh, if you're in the middle of davening, and a snake is, uh, you know, sliding up to you, are you allowed to stop davening? And it says, no, 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 just, you know, <laughs> wait it out. But if a scorpion is uh, coming near you while you're davening, you got to stop. You got to stop davening. And uh, Chassidus explains like this, that the poison from a snake is hot poison. But the poison of a scorpion is cold poison. So hot poison is, I'm trying to daven, and the Nefesh Bahamas is making me excited about things that are, to put it mildly, not appropriate to davening. Okay, so you know what? Just keep davening. Don't stop. Daven through it. But if the Nefesh Bahamas is coming with cold poison, it's cooling me off, then you got to stop davening and you got to deal with it. So in other words, if there's energy, even mischanneled energy, we can work with that because we can properly channel the mischanneled energy. But when there's no energy, when there's this uh, energy blockage, it's very, very dangerous. And, and, and it's, uh, it, it, it's, it's a, a situation that compounds itself because, you know, you lack sensitivity. There's an expression in, in Hayyem Yem. Der was is nidrik und grab, hertnishton sein eigene grabkeit und nidrikkeit. A person who is lowly and crass doesn't even sense his own lowliness and crassness. It's the disease that tells you you don't have a disease, right? Because if you lack sensitivity, so you're insensitive to your own insensitivity. <laughs> and, 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 and it's consequently, it's extremely dangerous and has to be dealt with. And that is why drastic measures are prescribed and that is the splintering of the log. Now, splintering the log is obviously a metaphor, but it's a metaphor for what? Um, so here it is. In order to understand the enemy, in this case, you have to understand something about the psychology of a non-tzaddik, okay? Because a tzaddik is a little bit different. A tzaddik becomes um, so one with his neshama to the point where, you know, the I, the, the ich, the ego of a tzaddik is interchangeable with the I of the soul. So when, when, when the tzaddik says, I this or I that, he, he's, he's giving voice to the, the desires of the soul. 
But a non-tzaddik, a regular person, a benini or not yet a benini, uh, the I, the ego, is, is not the soul. It's not the soul. Even though at, at times, you know, we, we assure you, no, the real you, deep down, the real you is your soul. Okay, yeah, but that's deep down. That's deep down. On a conscious level, when I speak about I, when I'm speaking about me, my identity, my, my self-concept, it's, it's Nefeshabhamis, the animal soul, which is Sitra Akhra, the other side. So, and, and that's why we say, the, 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 the soul, the pure soul that you gave me, that you put into me, is pure. In other words, the soul is pure. You put it into me. Who's me? Obviously not the soul, because you put the soul into me. So in, the, in, in, that, in that context, and that's something we say in the morning blessings every day, we're referring to me as something other than soul. You put the soul into me. So who's me? Ego. Well, if that's the case, if my ego is basically sitra negativity, and that's, that's who I am right now, at least on a conscious level, um, if I want to beat up the sitra akhra, the negativity, I have to beat up myself. Because me, meaning my conscious self, is synonymous with the sitra akhra. So the sitra akhra is my problem. And if I want and I gotta beat him up, I gotta smash the log. So how do I smash the sitra akhra? Smash myself. Okay. So we're gonna talk about how you do that, how you smash yourself. But before we get to that, I just want to back up for one second. I want to talk more about the apathy. Um, I want to analyze it a little bit deeper because then it'll make more sense why the smashing is the way that it is. The real problem with the apathy, the insensitive, uh, in, insensitivity, dullness of the heart, the real problem of it, I mean... Bottom line, what's it really causing is complacency. Complacency is, eh, I know it's, eh, it's, eh, it's not good. It's not good. No, no, it's terrible. You have to fix it. Eh, yeah, yeah, I know. I know. When I get around to it, yeah, yeah, I know. It's not good. Complacency is, eh, no, yeah. When, when, when I get around, you know, I'm busy right now. This is, an, this is an urgent situation. This is dire. This requires your attention now. And you're not responding to it like that. That's called complacency. Yeah, I know, I know, but it's really okay. It's not okay. So, complacency is the enemy here. On a practical level. That, that's what the real problem is of dullness of the heart. And that's what we're going to have to undermine. We're going to have to undermine the complacency. Now you can understand a little bit better the mode of attack when it comes to the smashing. What we're going to do is an intervention. We're going to convince the Nefesh Abamis or the ego, whatever you want to call it, that you are not okay. You're being complacent because you think we're all right. We're not all right. Things are actually in crisis mode and you need to wake up to that fact. How do we do that? Like I said, it's like an intervention. You know what an intervention is? An intervention is there's somebody who has a serious problem. I'm talking about like a drug intervention where they make people go to rehab. 
So somebody has a serious problem. So just tell him he has a serious problem. <laughs> Listen, if he were ready to hear that he has a serious problem, he wouldn't need anyone to tell him he has a serious problem. He himself would already say he has a serious problem. All the problem he is saying, yeah, I know I have a serious problem. Well, then act like it. Eh, because, but that's the complacency. So what do you do? You get this guy comes in, this interventionist, and for a month, he interviews everyone in the family, and they get the KGB file on this guy. Every embarrassing, silly, appalling thing he did, everything, you know, that if you would think about it at three in the morning, you would start cringing hard, thinking about how embarrassing it is that you did this thing. Okay, we're going to get all that stuff. We're going to put a guy in a room with all these people that know him well, and we're going to say, here's what you did, and here's what you did, here's what you did. And we have this mountain of evidence, and we're going to confront you with that mountain of evidence until finally you break and you admit, you're right, my life is unmanageable. We're going to break you. We're going to force you to admit unmanageability. That's what smashing the log means in this case. We need to break the sitra akhra. The ego is synonymous with the sitra akhra. How do we break the ego? By proving to you, or your ego, that it is mismanaging your life to the point of crisis, to the point of failure. So the ego thinks, yeah, I know, maybe, uh, you know, I could be a little holier, maybe I could yeah, have a little bit more love and awe of Hashem, yeah, but I, I know it's not good, but it's, I know, I know it's not good. No, it's more than not good, it's a crisis. And we got to confront the ego with the mountain of evidence, break it down, and it's a very harsh very brutal process until it just breaks and says, you're right, I am in so much trouble, I can't handle this, I need help. Okay, now, here's where I'm going to tell you a major, 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 did I say major, caveat. And maybe I should have said this at the very beginning of this class. And that is, we don't do this today. <laughs> so why are we learning about it? Well, we're learning about it because it's part of Tanya, and also because it is important information, um, and some of the ideas are applicable, at least um, conceptually, but in practice we don't do this. And, and I'll explain why. There's a mimer from the Rebbe, Margil Bapume Darava Tavshimem Vav, and over there, the Rebbe explains that today we don't do well with the bitterness stuff. Once upon a time, it was a motivator. For us, it just it breaks us. We don't, we can't, well, there's, there's a few reasons the Rebbe says we don't do it anymore. One reason is because on the spectrum of history, the timeline of history, you know, look where Jews are today, what we've been through, especially in the previous generation, we don't need any more harshness. So it's just, we're done with the harshness, now, now only sweetness. Then there's, there's another reason, which is um, maybe more of a, you know, maybe that's more on the macrocosmic, you know, timeline of history perspective. This is more on the microcosmic, just looking at individuals. People don't do well with it today. It just doesn't work. Maybe in the old days, you know, tough love motivated people. Today it just breaks them. So we see that it's not, if it's not a productive method, why would we do it? And, it? and it's not. Because what happens is we get bitter and we can't pull ourselves out of it and we just get stuck there. So there's no, there's no, uh, there's no mitzvah to do something if it doesn't work anymore. And, and the other reason is because, and this is sort of an exciting reason, 
we're getting close to Mashiach. And, uh, you know, Erev Shabbos, it's a mitzvah to taste from the food for Shabbos. And Mashiach is like Shabbos. Yem Shekulei Shabbos. Menucha Lechai The seventh millennium is like the seventh day. So we're already in Friday afternoon. It's time to start to taste from Shabbos. And when, when, when Shabbos comes, meaning when Mashiach comes, the world will be perfected. There will be no severity and discipline, rebuke, even self-rebuke. That won't exist, won't need to exist. So therefore, we're already, we're already tasting from uh, Mashiach's era by having an approach to uh, self-refinement that's all positive. We only stress the positive. And therefore, we can, the Rebbe says we can accomplish through Simcha everything that bitterness used to accomplish. So bitterness used to be a tool, and it still is a tool. It's just we can't use that tool because it doesn't work on us. It's counterproductive, in fact. Not only it doesn't work, it, it, has, it has a detrimental effect. So we don't use that tool today. But everything we need to accomplish through bitterness, we can accomplish it through Simcha. And so, but it's so diametrically opposite. How, how is that possible? So, so I'll explain. The point isn't the bitterness. The point is the end result. Okay. The end result was smashing the apathy, breaking down the ego. Okay. So you can smash apathy and break down the ego through joy by being reminded of your limit, limitless power. So we can actually do it in an all positive way, like literally like, come on, get over yourself and stop feeling limited. You are infinitely powerful. So it has the same effect of breaking through the limitations of the ego. We just do it in, a, in, a, in an uplifting way, in an encouraging way. So um, I'm, I'm about to demonstrate, by the way, we're going to, we're going to, I told you before at the beginning, we're here today because we're going to do a live demonstration of the metaphor from this chapter. Um, this is something I developed for children, although it works good with adults as well. So I actually did this demonstration with, uh, with children on, uh, on many occasions, but one particular occasion um, where I wasn't exactly sure how effective it would be because the children that I was doing the project with didn't really have any background in Tanya whatsoever. I was at a summer camp of girls, uh, CGI of the Poconos. I think we have some pictures of it somewhere. Anyways, we did, uh, we did this smashing the log, the smashing the log metaphor. We actually, actually did it, and we're going to do it for you, Amir Tzashem, at the end of this lesson. Um, but the way I taught it to them, I didn't even tell them that this was smashing apathy, you know, the way that we haven't done it yet, but the way we're about to describe, you know, the intervention. I told it to them only positive. I told them that only as a positive thing that um, this is about breaking apart the ego. The ego, you know, is, is, is afraid and the ego is, uh, you know, makes us uh, insulated, insular, introverted. We, we feel we can't do anything. And we're just sitting there, and then we explode that through, through joy, which helps us to get beyond our, uh, our ego. And I was very, very happy to see that the metaphor worked just as well describing it that way. It doesn't have to be a violent, smashing metaphor. It can be 
a, an explosion of joy and confidence, okay? So the thing is the catching fire by breaking apart the log and turning it into splinters and it all catches fire. The same metaphor can all be very positive and encouraging and uplifting. So, uh, in fact, and that's what we're, we're going to do. As soon as I get done with this, we're going to demonstrate that. Um, okay. So let's talk about the actual mechanics of the beatdown. That we're not going to do anyway because we're uh, in the seventh generation and we're in head of Shabbos. But if we were to do the, the, uh, the intervention, here's how it goes. Basically, the first thing you say is, look, I'm a worm and not a man. I'm worse than a worm, actually. You know why? Because a worm only does what Hashem tells it to do. And a worm can't rebel. But I can rebel. I can do what I'm not supposed to do. Or want what I'm not supposed to want. So, look at me. You know, I think I'm okay. I'm not okay. I'm worse than a worm. Then, what do we do? We start digging up the past. Start digging up the past. Yeah, you have a clean record, spotless record. Let's start looking at the things that you've done in the past. And we go even and we look at, we look at the, the, the shameful sins, the chatas nurim, the indiscretions, you know, of a personal nature. Everyone understands what I'm referring to, yeah? Struggles in, you know, uh, certain, a certain area of one's personal life where a person may have weakness. Or have had weakness in the past. We'll dig that up. Yeah. Again, and nobody's doing this to us. This is very important. Even in the Al Tarebbe's version that we don't do anyway. But this is this is all self-administered. Um, if somebody comes over to you, or even in the past, someone says, "Hey, I'll, I'll smash your log." No, no, but it's okay. I'll smash my own log. You smash your log. Okay. Anyway, uh, this is all self-administered. Uh, okay. So we dig up the past. Okay, but I did tshuva already. Yeah, okay, fine, you did tshuva. But hold on a second. Your tshuva doesn't work anymore. What are you talking about my tshuva doesn't work? Well, I'll prove it to you. You have Tim Tamalev. <laughs> the proof that your tshuva stopped working is that you have Tim Tamalev. Now, how, that's very scary. So we have to explain that. What it means is, actually, it's a good sign. It means like this. You did tshuva for your sins of youth. All right, and that was adequate tshuva for then. That was then. This is now. You're on a higher level now. You've grown up. Okay, you're a year older, a year wiser, decade year, a decade older, a decade wise, whatever. So now you're on a higher level. Did you do tshuva commensurate with the new level that you're on? No, you didn't. So therefore, your sins are are, are acting as a blockage again for you, and consequently, you're feeling the timtumalev. So now, a higher level of tshuva is demanded commensurate with your new higher level. Okay, but anyways, we don't want to dwell on that. Too much because that's too encouraging and hopeful, and, and we're doing a beatdown right now. Okay. Um, and then what do we do? If we can't find anything there, or if we do find something, but the, the guy is still feeling, I guess, if we can't find anything that's breaking the guy yet, we'll dig deeper. We'll dig even, we'll dig even deeper. We'll go to your dreams. That's what he says. You go to his dreams because you, you dig up his subconscious and you say, look at the stuff that you dream about. So it shows that you have a connection to it. The Zayar says that if somebody is engaged in pure things during the day, 
Then at night when his soul somewhat untethers from the body or disengages to, a, to some degree from the body, it will reach higher levels and, and it, will, it will actually have uh, Torah thoughts in its, in, 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 during, during sleep. But if the soul was involved in not nice things while you were conscious, then when it goes above, it encounters all types of uh, negativity up there. So, uh, so we'll use the dreams against you, whatever we have to do to build this case. And, and we call this being a master of accounts. This whole thing is called being master of accounts. Master of accounts means fearless moral inventory. And we are going deep and we're digging all the way through your, we went back through our entire lives. We go through everything. And just to, again, this is not a normal day-to-day measure, even in the Alta Rebbe's time, this was not a normal thing. This is not a regular thing. This is an emergency measure where because of the dire, dangerous situation of Tim Tomalev, which we explained before, the apathy is so dangerous. Therefore, we do this very, um, you know, severe approach. Today, we don't do it at all anyway. But even in those times when they did it, they did it only selectively when it was, when it was needed, when it was called for. Okay. And because it's very harsh. And then the Alta Rebbe talks about raging. The, the importance of rage. Now, kol hakoyes kilo evidavedazora. Anyone gets angry, it's like you worshipped idols. This is not normal anger. This is not getting angry because uh, I got a ticket on my car or, or angry because whatever. It's not angry about anything that anyone else has done or anything else in the world. It's purely 100% anger at myself. I'm angry with myself. Why did I mismanage my life like this? Why do I think I'm okay when I'm clearly not okay? And so therefore I'm raging. I'm pitting my Yetzer Toiv against my Yetzer Hara with that, with that holy righteous indignation. By the way, you want to have righteous indignation? Okay, don't have it towards others. You want to have righteous indignation? Have it towards yourself. That's what he's saying here. Okay, and then... Uh, He, he, and finally, we, we talk about the idea of, uh, it's a very interesting concept, how, because after all, the, the apathy, the complacency, it's darkness. And a little bit of light dispels much darkness. So it's not like, you know, if you have a room that's dirty, you have to like sweep it off. You have to sweep away the, the, the dirt. And it takes a lot of work to get the, 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 the dirt out of the room. But if you have a room that's dark and you need it to be light, you just flip on a light and then the room fills up with light. Right? So it's an automatic thing. The same thing here. This is not something that needs to be like laboriously removed. Once the light turns on, it just it disappears because it, was, it had no substance to begin with. Because deep down, deep down, remember I said deep, deep down, you are your soul, even though on a conscious level you're the animal soul and the ego and all that stuff. But deep, deep down, see, after all, you are your soul, deep, deep down. So Yidin are, maminim benim maminim, we are intrinsically true believers. So therefore, when we're having these problems, this problem is sort of like just an overlay on top of our true feelings. And, and once you remove it, then the real you comes shining through. And that, it, it's just a, a matter of getting rid of it, getting rid of that um, impediment, and then all that faith that was there all along uh, is able to break through. And the, the biblical example for this is the story of the spies. 
from Parsha Shlach, from my Bar Mitzvah Parsha. They came back from the land and they said, we can't do it. We can't do it. Not going to work. And there are various different interpretations, you know, why they said we can't do it. But the point is they, de they were demoralized and they demoralized everyone else. And then panic struck and everyone said, we can't do it. We can't do it. All right. And they, they said, Hashem can't help us. Okay, so clearly that was heretical. Hashem can't help us. That was heretical. Then, Maishu Rabbeinu tells them, you know what, guys? Forget it. Hashem's not going to help you enter the land. You're staying here. You're going to live here, and Hashem's very mad at you. You're going to stay in the, the wilderness, and you're going to die off. Your children will go into the land. Hashem's very mad at you. Why do they care? Hashem's mad at them. They just said Hashem's a wimp. Hashem can't do anything. So now they, now they care. Hashem's mad at them. The point is, the fear and the lack of belief in Hashem, which is synonymous, I repeat myself, fear and lack of belief in Hashem are one and the same. The fear and lack of belief in Hashem, that was just an overlay. That was just something that was like this darkness that was sort of like on top of them. And it just needed to be pushed away. Now, in this case, how was it pushed away? Maishu Beno said, Hashem's mad at you. So it was sort of this uh, scary intervention. You know, it was the scary approach. It was the smashing the log in a, in a scary negative way. Uh, and they could take it. You know, they, they could take it. They were getting rebuked all the time. Anyway, <laughs> and, and it, it, but it worked on them. It totally worked. Again, we don't do it today because it doesn't work. But in, in those days, it worked. And, and immediately what happens? They said, oh no, Hashem's mad at us. No, oh no let, let's make it all better. Let's make it all good. No, we do want to enter the land. Where did all of a sudden, where did, the, where did the faith come from? Well, it didn't come from anywhere. It was always there. The fear was just covering it up. And once Mesha smashed through it by telling them, Hashem's very disappointed in you right now. That, that smashed it. And then the intrinsic faith came shining through. And then finally, at the end of the chapter... Um, we mention the um, metaphor, the parable from the Zayhar about the Zayna, the harlot who was hired by the king. Um, why are we mentioning it here? To, to remember that in, in truth, even the Sitra Akhra works for Hashem. Even this negative force that's causing us to have the apathy and the dullness of the heart, that's also part of the plan. And uh, it's in order to overcome it. Just like the metaphor, the parable in the Zayar, the king wants to test his son. He hires a harlot, and the harlot is supposed to seduce the son. Really, she doesn't want him to fail. She doesn't want him to succumb. But she has to do her best to, to do her job, because that's what she was hired to do, to tempt him. But in truth, we should know that um, really this, uh, you know, this formidable uh, opposition that we see, it's not real. In the end, they, they all work for Hashem. <laughs> in the end, it's all for our benefit. You know, we had that metaphor earlier. Let me just make sure. Yeah. At the very end of Pedic Tess, we had it also. 
where it was stressing the idea of the importance of overcoming it. That it's there just to make us stronger, to rise above it. Latevas ha'adam she is I'm looking at the end of Perek Test chapter nine. It's for our benefit to overcome it, to defeat it. like the parable of the harlot and the zayar. And here again we have it at the end of Perek Chof Test. Um, we talk about the laharbay shara. It's into the whole point is to increase our reward. Kipitu yazayne levena melech like the seductive attempts of the harlot to the king's son, Beshekar Mirma, with false uh, wiles, Birshus HaMalach, with the king's permission, same idea, again, but the idea is, we have to know the negativity itself, even when we're in a, in a, in a when we're deeply entrenched in, the, in a negative situation, we have to know that the negativity itself um, works for Hashem. It doesn't have any um, independent authority and therefore we can easily overcome it we just gotta get, get rid of it it'll disappear and then the true intrinsic faith will come shining through now the approach how to get rid of it is called smash the log smash the log in the conventional traditional sense here in Chavtes means master of accounts fearless moral inventory harsh intervention confront yourself with all your embarrassing stuff okay that's that approach. Although in our generation, smash the log means explode the ego into an explosive fire of passionate confidence and exuberance, which is Amir Tzashem, what we'll demonstrate for you now, how when there's something thick and coarse, it doesn't catch fire, like the ego that's thick and coarse. But when we break it apart through selflessness and humility, then it catches flame, it catches a flame and becomes a, a passionate force for serving Hashem. Okay, we're going to show you this uh, demonstration now. And chapter 29 of Tanya begins with a metaphor from the Holy Zohar. And we're going to actually be depicting that metaphor today for you visually in a way that actually I developed when I made a program called Tanya Camp. My wife and I developed a program when our oldest daughter was, uh, was young. We made a thing called Tanya Camp for her and her friends. Where we, we would take concepts in Tanya and depict them um, with actual hands-on activities. So we would take some of the metaphors from Tanya and bring them to life. So here we have a piece of wood. Now wood is combustible. Wood burns. Here we have fire. This is a uh, butane torch. So we're going to try to burn the wood. And the problem is that it just won't catch fire. You see, no matter what we do, it just won't catch fire. And the reason is because it's too thick. A piece of wood is too thick. So what can we possibly do about that? So we have our trusty hatchet. Okay, so we broke it up a little bit here. Break it a little more. Okay. Uh uh. Now it's catching flame. All because of what? 
because we smashed it up and the splinters catch a lot easier than a big coarse log. Now here's the thing, if you've ever heard of a grain silo explosion, you know that they're very, very dangerous. They really, really explode. I mean, it's a huge fire. And, and the question is why? Flour? Flour is so flammable? And the truth is, if you try to burn flour itself, no, it's not. But that's when flour is in a clump, when all the grains of flour are stuck together. However, if there's a wind and it disperses, the flour and it causes each little speck of dust of grain to scatter from the other usually when there's like a dust cloud of it and it's suspending in the air well then the flour that on when it's in a clump would never burn but if it's dispersed into each speck on its own then it'll easily catch fire and that's the same principle of mevachinoisei, the log, that's when, when it's one solid log, it won't catch fire. But when it's splintered, when it's smashed into pieces, then it'll catch fire. So we can illustrate that same concept with the, with the grain silo explosion. And also we can sort of il illustrate it in a, in a positive way. We're not smashing anything, nothing's getting broken, but it's the same principle that when there's something that's one sort of clump, one mass, Think of that as like a, an intransigent ego, the complacency of the ego. And then we sort of disperse it, we lighten it, we cause it to, to scatter and become, I guess, uh, lighter, more transparent, more selfless, humble. Now, all of a sudden, the flames can catch on it. Okay, here we have flour, and we're going to try to burn the flour. You see, all that really does is scorches it. But it won't catch fire. I mean, you could. Doesn't catch. Now we're going to replicate a grain silo explosion. So, what do we have? We have. This candle here, we're going to light it. That's our flame. And uh, we have this, we have this uh, air blowing machine. This is a, an inflating machine. We like to have, have an air mattress or something. See, it blows air. Okay, so you probably see what's coming. Oh, where's my goggles? And we put the goggles because uh, you're going to see why. It's not a joke. Okay, fine. Ready? We're going to make the grain explosion. And we're going to add a little bit of wind to the grain silo, and each particle of the flour is going to be separated from each other and it's going to ignite one particle at a time and you're going to see woof. Ready? We're going to make the grain explosion. Just going to add a little bit of wind to the grain silo 